Hey there, and welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast. My name is Hank Taylor, the digital pastor here at the Foundry, and I want to take a quick second before we get started to welcome you and let you know we are so glad that you chose to make us a part of your faith journey this week. We're in an awesome series called Teleos, a brief guide to something we like to call here at the Foundry as God's intended reality for your life. We explore how you can be complete as God is complete, and we can't wait to share it with you. We want to encourage you, share this podcast if with anybody you know, friends, family, and we would love to see you for one of our in-person services in Central Florida on a Sunday morning. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and turn it over to our preaching team who is excited to bring you this incredible message. Everybody, how's everybody doing? Great, awesome, so glad that you're here. I always love when I get a chance to preach because we're very excited to have all of you here, but I am the digital pastor after all. So hello to our online audience who is here watching, tuned in uh, from wherever they are, all around, all around the country, all around the state. You may not realize this, but we have a, a pretty decent crowd here today. Our online audience um, still is about the same, if not more, than what we see in the room every single day. So you look around here, you figure at least double uh, are here in a part of the Foundry Church, so we're really, really excited. But my name is Hank, digital pastor here at the Foundry Church. So glad that you're here. A couple of things we wanna touch on a little bit before we get started. Um, We wanna just, I wanna always say, Thank you so much to our incredible leadership team here at the Foundry who continues to believe in me and support me and give me opportunities like this to come and share with you all. So a huge thank you to Kevin, Brian, Steve, as well as Doug, Patty, and Seth as well. Uh, We have an incredible leadership team. Uh, If you've been a part of our community, you know that uh, already. Um, I also want to say this is a big milestone for me. This is not only my 10th message that I've shared here at the Foundry, but also this week... I just crossed my five-year work anniversary of being here with you guys, uh, which is a huge milestone. I've been reflecting on that a lot. It's made it hard, honestly, to write a message and reflect on this. Uh, But I have thought so much about how much I've grown, not only as a leader, but as a man. And again, we have our incredible leadership team and staff here uh, to thank for that. I'm so grateful for my time here so and have learned so much. So um, it's always, always a great pleasure and a great honor to be here with you and to have this platform uh, and this opportunity. I also want to say a huge hello for the very first time to Hunter Mertz and his wife Laurel, who are here with us joining our team as the Family Life Pastor. I see him there in the back, I think. There he is. How's it going? Good to see you, man. Good to see you. I hope that you will have five years Five years will come, hopefully, for you guys before you know it. Um, And I also, last but not least, want to say thank you to my friends and family who are here, including my mom. If you've not met my mom, she's right here in the front row. As as usual, um, so grateful uh, for that opportunity. We're going to be continuing on in our Teleos series. We've been talking a lot about completeness, and we have that verse we've been referencing a lot through this series that comes out of Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 48, that says, Be perfect, therefore, as your Father is perfect. We've been talking about how that word perfect is really the word teleos, from the, original, from the original language, and a better translation of that word teleos is not so much perfect, but is rather complete. 
And so when you, tra- when, you, when you think about this verse, not as being perfect as your father is perfect, but in being complete as your father is complete, changes the way that we think about this message. Um, we, I want to spend time reflecting on and putting a cap on our relationships with God and our relationships with ourselves before we move on to some of the more outward components of our relationship with others and our relationship with the world that Seth is going to talk about in the coming weeks Uh, But before we move on, I want to spend some time talking about church hurt and church trauma. And this is a a way that I want want to sort of give you guys a heads up and a warning up front. Um, We're going to speak about this today, and it's going to be sort of a tough and a hard conversation. There's going to be some some, some interesting things that we're going to talk about. And and my priority, uh, above all else, is to make sure that you all are comfortable so if you're listening to this message and if at any point you start to feel uncomfortable, nervous, you, you start to feel something inside you, I, I want to go ahead and give you the license. I want to give you the freedom to go ahead, check out, take a walk. I realize that Doug probably watching at home doesn't like me saying this, but I want to give you permission to log off. I want to give you permission to, to get some space, get some air. Because this is a really tough conversation, and, and maybe it'll be better for you to go back, listen to this. It will be recorded. Take it in in small chunks, more digestible chunks. So we want to let you know that up front. Our priority, uh, above all else, is to make sure that we foster the, the, this place and keep it a safe place. So, if, so if, if at any point you feel uncomfortable, we want to let you know that we're prioritizing that. Trauma is a real, real thing. If you're a part of our Foundry Family Facebook group, you may have seen a post I shared a couple weeks back that talked about some of the church trauma and church trauma-related topics. And that was one of our most engaging posts we had there in quite some time. Not only that, but so many of you in our community reached out and said thank you for opening up a way to have a conversation about these topics and have a, have a dialogue about this because it's so important. I think it's a great topic, and it fits in well with the series where, we're, where we are right now um, and about making sure that we have our relationship with God, and our relationship with ourselves, and we understand those things. We talk about completeness, and hopefully that's something that we are all striving towards, something we all want in our life. Although I think it's fair to say that for those of us that are here in this room and watching online, that somehow, somewhere along the way, we've been hurt, been broken in our life. And maybe that brokenness and that hurt has come from a place like church or a faith community or Christian friends. And maybe you don't relate to that personally, but I can guarantee you that someone in your life has gone through this, has experienced it, is experiencing it. And it's, as Christians... It's our job to be able to have this conversation, be aware of this, and help foster those relationships and help bring people along on their spiritual journey. So this morning, we're going to talk about that church trauma and hurt. It's a tough conversation, and we all have a part to play in making sure that the church is a safe place for us all to find completeness in Christ and not a place where people get hurt or subjected to an abuse of power or any sort of manipulation. So before we get started, before we dive deep in, I want to ask you guys for grace. Because if I'm honest, this is not the conversation that I wanted us to have this morning. 
I know this can be a divisive and hurtful topic, and I don't want to hurt anyone. And I know that this message will be challenging for all of us because it was challenging for me to prepare it. I was sitting in Panera Bread on Friday afternoon trying to rack my brain on how I could pivot and change this message to talk about something else. But the Lord kept giving me the resources, the scriptures, putting those things in front of me. And that kind of conviction is not something I'm going to ignore. Because if I can use this position, this service, this moment, to make this message today not about me, not serving me, but if I can make it about somebody else, someone out there for whom it took everything in them to show up here or to log on to church today, someone that exists in the margins of our community, anxious about taking the next step of involvement for fear, for fear they will put themselves out there and then be judged and outcast rather than embraced and accepted. Someone who the very motions of the service, worshiping, a 30-minute message, communion, prayer, reflection, all these things remind them of a time, a place, or a person that hurt them. If I can provide a sense of belonging or hope to someone like that and reassure them that although they've had a bad experience along the way with a person or a group, that there is still so much good to be had and completeness to find, that's a conversation that's worth having. So what I hope to accomplish today is this. I wanna briefly define trauma, what it is that that looks like and what it means, how it relates to the church, and then what our role is in helping to refine, in helping to reconcile that, move past that and through that. Not just for ourselves, but even for the people around us. And then I wanna, at the end, provide some hope and a new way to look at these things so that we can all move past those things together. So I think it's important to have an understanding of what trauma really, really even is and how we can identify it so that we can start to work towards that place of completeness. I found this great quote, I'm gonna read it to you, um, that I love that had a very succinct overview of, of what trauma is, specifically in relation to church trauma and church hurt. So, so I wanna read this to you. <clears throat> trauma is the use of religious or spiritual power and authority to control, coerce, or perpetuate harm in many ways. Spiritual abuse is the distortion or exploitation of God's power and authority to manipulate or control others' bodies, personhood, relationships, and autonomy through the tools of shame and fear. Spiritual abuse systems and organizations and spiritually abusive people use things like the Bible, religious texts, theology, and practices to knowingly or unknowingly harm others relationally, emotionally, and physically. We could probably stop right there. I mean, I think each and every single one of us has had an opportunity or had a moment where we felt abused, where we felt manipulated, where we felt like less of a person. I've also heard it put like this. This really helped me change my perspective. Trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. So I think in order for us to move forward, we have to come to an understanding of what trauma really actually is. For me, I always understood trauma as the thing that happened to you. 
the, the, the terrible experience you, you encountered. But I think what it really is, is that's just part of it. The real trauma happens when the thing that happens to you and you have no one to turn to, no one to share that burden with, no safe place or safe person to share that with and you feel alone. So I want to spend some time today talking about this and having this tough conversation that we need to have that clearly is not just an issue in the church at large, but obviously means something to this community here at the Foundry. I want to give you some hope. We move specifically into the realm of church trauma and things start to get even more serious because not only are we dealing with trauma and its effects, but we are dealing with trauma from a source that is supposed to represent God. And it can be so hard for people to separate that trauma and that experience and the hurt from the God of goodness, of love, and of grace, and of compassion. There's a podcast series that's going on right now. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill from Christianity Today. It's examining a modern-day church fallout and the trauma that comes with it. And there's a great quote from one of the guests And it says, when abuse is done by a pastor who has a position of power in the church, and part of that power is to tell people about who God is and what he is like, when those skills in that position are used to sanction what is in God's eyes evil, whether it's sexual abuse in the church or whether it's how they treat people when they open their mouths or it's their arrogance, It becomes spiritual abuse in the way that all other abuse is. But God is dragged into it and placed on the side of the abuser. After all these years, I do not have the words for the kind of damage that that does to a soul. This is a heavy topic. And I want to make my goals clear up front. There is hope at the end of this discussion. And I do not want this to become a bash on the church party. I don't want to get into the back and forth of the mega churches that are out there and how what they believe is wrong and this leader's theology is a little out of whack and, and, and these people believe this or, or get into the political ramifications of that. that. That's not what we want to do. I'll put it to you by, like this. If I believe that there is good and hope in the world, that doesn't stop when we get to church. I believe it's a huge oversimplification to have one bad experience and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Say that all church, everything religious, all these experiences are bad. There's still so much goodness yet to be discovered. And for most of us, experiencing this trauma and this hurt, we are looking for goodness from some distorted incomplete picture of Jesus that an organization or a person painted for you. And I want to encourage you that Jesus, the complete picture of Christ and his love, are still out there waiting for you to discover him again. So we want to talk about what was it that Jesus teached what were some of the things that, that we can learn from his life and, and his ministry and his example? And I think back to that story many of us know so well. When he turned to Peter on, on the beach after he had risen from the dead and asked Peter 
if he loved him three times? What was his instruction following that? Feed my sheep. I got Doug really excited when I said that. If you don't know Doug Myers, he's sheep man out there watching online. So uh, we're talking about sheep, Doug. It's great. What we see here is Jesus laying out a structure for the church and how it should operate. In short, we're going to care for the flock. Caring for them involves knowing them, nurturing them, serving them. Like we see the Lord do for us. Yet I feel like we look around at the church as a whole. And I feel like somehow we've gotten away from this idea. We expect so much of people in leadership. It's not an excuse for when they fall short. But it is an observation. Not just in terms of their responsibilities of their jobs. But many pastors of large churches that they fall into this trap of being expected to be public figures. Buying into the celebrity status that they knowingly or unknowingly have placed on them. I have nothing against those things, and I I think there are pastors that manage this better than others. But they get under the microscope of that. When they do experience some hardship or some fallout or shortcomings, those things get amplified, and that's when we see things start to unravel. It's almost almost like by putting more on these people, we're somehow lowering the standard of their ministry. And again, this is not an excuse for faith leaders and their behavior. Because I'm sure you've watched the news before and you can see tons of examples where church leaders and pastors messed up bad in big public ways. And I think a lot about how those things come to pass in those communities, it's when pastors for one reason or another end up on an island. They move and they think and they decide alone. They feel the weight of their communities on their backs. It's why I'm grateful for what we have here at the Foundry. That as much as possible, our staff and our team moves together. We openly communicate and share ideas. We all have a part in the planning and execution of things like these services and and our events. We're not afraid of the pushback. We're not afraid of the criticism. And at the forefront of all of our conversations is you, the person here when we plan what we're going to do day to day, when we plan what it is that we're going to do, it's our goal to try to shepherd our people as best as we can. Like we see Jesus in his original instructions. He was laying the groundwork for Peter because he wanted him to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Feed the sheep. Shepherd them. If you've been a part of a church before, we had leaders focused on other things feeding their own ego, furthering their own kingdom, writing the next book. But let me be the first to say that I'm sorry. Church leaders and pastors, we can get so caught up in observing the fruits of our labor, seeing so much being done that we can forget what it's all about, caring for the people that we experience every single day. One of the things that makes me the most sad is when we see people that have demonstrated the bravery and the willingness to share their brokenness or reach out to help navigate the experiences and the thoughts and the situations that they couldn't handle alone. Those people get dismissed by a faith leader or a community. This plays itself out in a number of ways. 
Maybe you have some kind of denial that's placed on you. Someone telling you that this wasn't the experience that you experienced or this isn't how you should feel. Maybe you have some sort of punishment. Maybe you lose some sort of status. Maybe you lose friends. You lose a community. Or maybe you were forced into silence and told that your voice or your opinion or your perspective didn't matter. Whatever it is that you may have experienced in church somewhere along the way, I want to let you know that at least here, we're working our hardest to be against this kind of dismissal. Here, we welcome your questions. We love having open and honest conversations. We do a podcast every single Monday that's open for anybody to to watch along, view with us, and we encourage anyone and everyone to be a part of this conversation, of this dialogue with us. We want to have a relationship with you. We want to hear your criticisms. We want to hear your feedback. We want to understand what it is that you think so that we can make this experience a more complete experience for all. When I think about, and, I, and I've said this before in one of my messages, but I'm not interested in building the church that's for me. Because truthfully, there's lots of places that I personally could go and attend and get plugged in and worship that would be very comfortable for me. I've grown up in church my whole life. I know how to do it. So there's lots of places out there that I would say that would be comfortable and a good experience for me. But that's not the kind of environment that I want to create here. I don't want it to be for me. I want it to be for others. When I think about the church I want to be a part of, I want it to be diverse in thought, diverse in age, diverse in life experience. Because when I think about myself and my spiritual journey and my relationship with God, I want to be as teleos as possible, as complete as possible. If you're from a more traditional background, our services may feel a bit too relaxed and our approach too vague at times. If you're new or returning to faith, what we do may seem a little bit structured, not very inclusive. Trust me, we've heard, this is all feedback that we've heard from you all. And here's the truth. Our church, this church, the the church at large, we need you to be more complete. We want to be able to structure what we do, structure what we say in a way that toes the line, can be as inclusive for everybody as possible. That may look a little bit different for you than it does for me. But I think together, we can create a beautiful place when we do two things. When we both don't gatekeep our community and draw lines of exclusion, and when those in this community who are coming in feel safe and welcome to share their real lives and struggles so that we can walk through those together. So where do we fit in? Like we mentioned at the top, each of us have a role to play in keeping this safe, this space safe. The Bible has a lot of guidance on our responsibility, not just to our faith communities, to our churches, but to each other, to keep things not only safe, but honest and authentic. Let's check out some of these passages 
Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Romans 12.10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. I love this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Next one. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. I think we could sum it up like this. When it comes to a church community, we should be removing the focus from ourselves and instead focus on the people around you. Focus on the person sitting next to you. What sort of environment would they want to worship and be included in? The person that's chatting with you online, what is the thing in the experience or the word that they need for their lives? We should, we should set out to honor not just, not just a person, but all people by creating an inclusive environment. Another key part of navigating this is, is finding the people around you that will speak to you and remind you of who you are and help point you to the good to help you get there. This can look like a lot of things. Maybe this is a mentor in your life. Maybe this is a trusted family member or friend. Maybe it's an online community where you feel more safe to share the, the inner workings of your life because these people help provide an outside perspective for you. Or maybe it's this church community there's some of us who've been waiting our whole lives to find the perfect church. Once you find that spot, then you're, you're going to give yourself the freedom to really engage, help move past your hurt. The chances are that perfect church community probably won't come. As long as there are people involved in church, it will never be perfect. But I want to encourage you, as you feel safe, as you feel willing, plug in, plant roots because that's how we're gonna move past and through these things together. So we're getting close to the end. And I think a lot of you are waiting for me to say, here's the one, two, three step process to help you move through your trauma, help get you healed and put that behind you. And well, I'm probably gonna need a little bit more grace from you this morning because the answer is, I don't know. I think that part of what we are learning about this trauma and this hurt and recovery is that all of this is such a tricky thing and there is not a one-size-fits-all solution to everyone's situation. There's not one actionable thing that I can tell you to do because for each of us, it's probably something different. Some of you may need to just seek after the Lord. Some of you may need to seek out the help of a professional mental health expert. Maybe that's the first time that you've heard someone from a church platform say that it's okay to seek that out. Some of you may need a community and friends and people to help you walk through this. Some of you may need to get out of the toxic community that you find yourself in. Some of you may need to get more connected with church and to help establish some healthy routines and habits and rhythms. Some of you may need to just take a break from church altogether. 
Take it in at your own pace. Discover God on your own. The Enneagram 2 in me would love to find the perfect solution and help each and every single one of you by giving that to you right now. But what I value more is honesty, authenticity, and transparency. So I stand by my answer. I really truly don't know. And I would hate to use this platform and this opportunity to share something with you that I don't believe in. So if you're looking for the bona fide surefire method on how to move past trauma and navigate trauma, we're not gonna discover that today. And I realize that typically doesn't make for the typical three-point sermon, tied up in a bow, tweetable moment that we've come to expect from churches today. But I do think there is hope that applies to all of us. I wanna read this prayer. I heard this prayer in my prep and I kept coming back to this. This was really so powerful and it holds up on its own. I wanna share it with you this morning because I think this is, it points to the hope that is for each and every single one of us here today. This is by, written by author K.J. Ramsey. I'll probably be sharing this on the Foundry family later, but I wanna read it to you. It goes like this. Trauma shatters parts of ourselves, but there is nothing that trauma has shattered that God is not presently holding together. No part of you is lost. There is no weakness too recurring for Christ to care for. There is no part of you that is beyond the reach of Christ's care. He is patient and he is present. Christ is holding us together by the power of his spirit, wrapping scarred hands securely around the most shattered parts of our stories, carrying them with care because he chose to be shattered first and placed them perfectly alongside his own into a mosaic of glory. Your hope does not lie in being strong enough to hold the weight of your own story. Your hope is in being held. When you, who you once were and who you are right now, when you are your most triumphant and when you are the most triggered, along with who you will become, they are all held together in the tender hands of the God who chose to be shattered by trauma so that your past and your present will become a future of love. Every part of you is presently held. Hear me when I say this, that faith is not mustering up the courage to no longer be broken. Faith is practicing the courage to name even your broken pieces as beloved. This is such a freeing word. This is where I wanted to end today because so many of us, I feel, have been going through life with some kind of trauma and brokenness and just trying to figure out how not to be broken anymore. Maybe it was a person or a situation that happened to you that has weighed on you so heavily for years and years of your life. You think to yourself that you will be ready to take the next step, ready to start to open up your heart and your life to God again. 
but you feel the sense of I'm so broken and because I'm broken, I'm not ready or I'm not worthy. Can I encourage us this morning? Let's stop trying to unbreak ourselves. Many of us feel so alone in our brokenness, but truthfully, we're actually in pretty good company. Jesus himself came to this earth and experienced humanity. He even experienced some of the things that have been traumatizing, maybe even to us. Having all of his friends turn his back on him. Constantly being judged by religious authority. Oppression, injustice, the list goes on and on. You're also in a church community that is full of broken people. Each and every single one of us has been broken in some way. We carry that around with us every day. We try to mask it and hide it and show up to church and show up to social media with our best, most put together life. But I wanna give you the license and the freedom to say, I'm dealing with brokenness. Our staff here at the Foundry, we're all dealing with brokenness. The person sitting to you close by, the person chatting alongside you online, they're experiencing brokenness. So if you've been hurt or feel broken, you're in the right place. That's why I think it's important to examine our role as a church in dealing with and navigating this trauma. Because I think a lot of times we've gotten it wrong. Our job as a church is not to fix people. I believe that's something only a relationship with Jesus Christ can do. Our job as a church and as a community is to say, we don't wanna add to the brokenness anymore. Once we stop trying to act like perfect people and hold ourselves to such a high standard, something beautiful starts to happen. We see that all of us are willing to come forward with all of our brokenness and everything starts to become more teleos, more complete. Here's another way to look at it. Maybe the perfectness that you put on, that might be the thing that's keeping someone else living in silence and in shame. They're so terrified to show their hand and let people know what's really going on because everyone around them lives this supposedly perfect life that leaves no margin for any mess. But truthfully, all of us are broken. You may be thinking to yourself, the moment I stop being perfect, the moment I let that facade down, I'm gonna be judged and I'm here to tell you that is an, un an unsustainable way to live. We've been talking this whole series. If perfection is the goal, we've already lost. All of us are broken. Instead of trying to be perfect, let's be teleos. Let's be complete. Let's be committed to be, not be the ones that is demanding perfection of our pastors, of each other, because there's already enough of that in the world. Let's not be the ones attempting to convince a broken person that they're not. Let's be the people and the church that is the first to say, it's okay. I see you. I believe in you. Let's live with grace for those who are new or returning to their spiritual journey and celebrate them at every milestone.
instead of expecting that their journey to look exactly like your own. Let's stand together in brokenness, together, by the way, with Christ, and be part of a beautiful yet broken community. We take a moment in each of our services to take communion, to reflect, and to pray. And I think this sets this up so well. We take the bread and we take the juice. We consume that. We make that a part of ourselves. should be a reminder that when we do that, we're, we're taking on Christ's brokenness, making that a part of ourselves. Normally when I take communion, it's normally a time for me just to, you know, check the faith boxes, forgive me of my sins, we're all good. But maybe our prayer today should be for boldness. To recognize and accept the broken pieces of our lives and live in the reality that even those parts of ourselves are loved. And not only are they loved, they're still valuable. They still have something to offer. If perfection is the goal, we've already lost. If completeness, if teleos is the goal, then we're just getting started. I wanna pray for us as we get ready to jump into this time of communion. So if you would, if you're here in the room, watching online, would you bow your heads, pray with me.